have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Sunday morning we're in a sermon series entitled, A Church Looking for Jesus. I hope when we're through with this series it can be said of Miles Road Baptist Church, we are a church looking for Jesus and no one will get left behind. The title of the message, ironically, don't get left behind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Well-known verses to those of you who know Bible prophecy. The words of the greatest Christian man who ever lived, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica then, writing to Miles Road Baptist Church now. He says this, But I would not have you to be ignorant. I would not have you to be fooled. I would not have you to be deceived, my brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those that have died in the Lord. For you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Don't you like the fact that those who die in Christ, it's called sleeping. They just go to sleep. And when they wake up, they're in heaven. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died, he was crucified and rose again, he was resurrected, even so them also which have died in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you, not by our opinion, not by some hearsay, not by some hapless theory. What we are saying to you is by the word of the Lord, verse 15, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way hinder them which are asleep or who have died in the Lord. Verse 16, For soon the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel, the trump of God. Notice the three sounds. There'll be a voice, there'll be a trump, there'll be a shout. And the dead in Christ shall be resurrected. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up or raptured, up, up and away, together to meet them in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we all ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, frighten one another. Just checking to see if you got your Bibles. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We are a looking generation. Our heads are constantly turning left and right. Looking. What are we looking for? Well, some people are looking behind themselves at guilt and sorrow. Some people are looking around themselves with worry and fear. Some people are looking ahead of themselves with hopelessness and gloom. Listen, we're to be a looking people too. God's people ought to be looking. But we're not to be looking ahead. We're not to be looking back. We're not to be looking around. We ought to be looking up in faith. Because Jesus is coming again. There is no greater truth in the Bible. There is no greater promise in the Bible. 
then one day this Jesus who came as a lamb is going to return as a lion. Now how soon will it be? I don't know. Nobody knows but the Father. Nobody knows but the Son. Nobody knows but the Spirit. They may know in heaven, but we don't know on earth. But we are given signs to tell us when the time will be near. When you see certain things happening, you know that spring is coming. When you see certain things happening, you know that winter is coming. The prophets and the apostles and Jesus himself said, when you see certain things coming, and not just coming, but they're coming all at once, rapidly, with increased frequency and increased intensity. His coming is near, even at the door. We got people who look for signs. If you're a sign looker, every sign has already been fulfilled. We're not waiting on any signs for the first phase of Christ's return. As you know, the second coming of Christ is in two phases. The first phase is when he comes and takes us away. Seven years later, the second phase will be when he comes with us and we return with him. The first phase of this return is what Paul is talking about here. And every sign has been fulfilled for that phase. The return of Israel was predicted. 1948, Israel was resurrected from the graveyard of nations. Some of you were alive and remember that day. A nation buried and said will never rise again, arose again on 1948, and joined the League of World Nations. Matthew 24, Jesus said, in the last days there will be a generation just before his return that will see, secondly, the recapture of Israel. Israel, excuse me, Jerusalem in Israel will return to the Jewish people. In possession of the Gentiles, it will return to the Jewish people. 1967, it happened. Daniel chapter 7 said, you will see the revival of the ancient Roman Empire. And that empire covered most of Western Europe and parts of Eastern Europe. And we've already seen that. We've already seen what's called NATO come together. The Western nations of the world have joined together. They have one army, they have one currency, and they're waiting on one leader who I believe is alive today. We've seen the rise of the occult, 1 Timothy 4. A generation of people that are interested in the paranormal and the supernatural and the extraterrestrial. We've seen a world where there's calamity and violence and war continually, Matthew 24. We see rebellion against authority as never before in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Rebellion against parents, rebellion against teachers, rebellion against police officers, rebellion against the military, rebellion against pastors, rebellion against politicians, rebellion against God himself. We will not be ruled by anybody is the motto of this generation. We've seen the rapture being distorted 
2 Thessalonians 2. There are men who call themselves preachers who stand in pulpit. There's men who call themselves professors who are in seminaries. There are churches, there are denominations who do not believe that the rapture will happen. They've distorted it. They've changed it. They call it symbolic. They call it metaphorical. They call it an allegory. The Bible says that would occur. We see the the revelation of the saints. Amos chapter 3, verse 4. That's a sign, you know. Jesus said, when my coming draws near, the people of God are going to sense something's about to happen. Do you sense something's about to happen? Are your antennas moving? They ought to be. His coming is in the air and in the minds and hearts of his people. Re-education of the masses, 2 Thessalonians 2. When the new world leader comes to start the new world order, the people have to be ready to receive him. Therefore, there have to be a re-education that's taking place and has been taking place for decades. A move toward globalism, not nationalism. A move toward ecumenicalism, not biblical truth. A move toward socialism, not capitalism. Do you think all of this stuff about globalism and ecumenicalism and socialism just is, is just happening? No, it's planned. It's preparing the minds of people for what's coming. The relationship of Russia and Iran, Ezekiel 38. And we're already seeing that take place before our very eyes. And then the resistance to the church. Final days, the church is going to be persecuted unmercifully. You say, it hasn't happened in America. You wait. Taxation, regulation, litigation, intimidation. It's coming, folks. Jesus said that generation that sees every one of these things coming together better start looking up. For their redemption draws near. Let's look at three things from our text very quickly this morning. First of all, let's look at the message is sure. The message of his return is sure. Verse 13 and following, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Don't get fooled by those who try to deceive you and tell you otherwise. Concerning them which are asleep, or those that have died in the Lord. For we sorrow, but we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. We have a hope that we'll see them again if they die in Christ and we're in Christ. For if we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, if we believe in his crucifixion crucifixion and resurrection, even so them which also sleep in Jesus, who have died in Jesus, will God bring with him. Verse 15, for we say this to you by the word of the Lord, pay attention to that, the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, notice that the coming of the Lord, shall not in any way stop them which are asleep or have died in Christ. The message is sure. How do we know it's sure? 
Well, first of all, the coming of Christ is the completion of the gospel. You cannot have a complete gospel until Jesus comes again. Do you understand that? Pay attention. Let me help you. Jesus died on the cross to save us from sin's penalty. When he died on the cross, he was crucified. He died to save us from the penalty of sin, which is the judgment of God in hell. When he arose again on the third day, in his resurrection, he arose to release us from sin's power that controlled us and dominated us and enslaved us. When he comes again, he will come to deliver us from sin's presence once and for all and forever. Folks, that's the gospel. Jesus delivers us from sin's penalty. He releases us from sin's power. And when he comes again, he will free us once and fall and forever from the very presence of sin. He justifies us. He sanctifies us. He glorifies us. In his death, he justified us. In his resurrection, he sanctifies us. In his return, he will glorify us. Now, if that doesn't get you excited, you need more candy. He died vicariously. He arose victoriously. He's coming again visibly. And this is the fulfillment of the gospel. Without this, there is an incomplete gospel. You can't have a cross without his coming. You can't have a resurrection without his return. But we know he's coming. The message is certain. The message is sure. Because it completes the gospel. But also there's something else. We know it's certain. Not because of the completion of the gospel, but because of the certainty of his word. We can lie. Shake your head. Pastor, I just tell white lies. I'm glad you do. You're still a liar. <laughs> okay? You're a liar. I'm a liar. We're all liars. We don't mean to be, but sometimes we are. There's only one who never lies. His name is the Lord Jesus. What he says is what he does. What he does is what he says. He cannot lie, for he is God. And he said very clearly. He said it through the apostles. He said it through the prophets. He said it through the early church fathers. He's saying it today through the ministers that he has. He's saying it in the minds and hearts of his people. I am coming again. The skeptics can deny it, the scoffers can laugh at it, the sarcastic can ridicule it, the silly gooses can squawk all they want. I'm telling you, he's coming again. You can count on it. If you're one who writes in his Bible, you might want to just make a note in your Bible. Pastor Jim, November 1st, 2015, said Jesus is coming again. Okay? Maybe you'll see that day. Because it's coming soon. The message is sure. He's coming. He's coming. Look up here. He's coming. He's coming. That message is sure. No question mark. 
exclamation point. He's coming. But secondly, the movements are sequential. The message is not only sure, you can take it to the bank and cash it, but the movements are sequential. I'm not a dancer, at least not publicly. But dancers who dance with other dancers and dance in, uh, in, a, in a synchronized way, those movements are choreographed. There's somebody smarter than the dancers who tells them, this is what you're going to do. This is the routine. This is the protocol. This is the program of how you're going to move together. Well, the Lord God is a choreographer. He has choreographed the return of his son Jesus. He's got it precisely laid out, exactly the sequence of events that will occur when it happens. Look at verse 16 and 17. Follow in your Bibles, you'll see it. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, a voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now one day, God the Father who's on the throne is going to turn to his son, the Lord Jesus, who is standing at his right side. He's going to say, son, go get your church. Now, the church is not the building here. The church is not the membership here. Although I hope if you're a member, you are part of the church. Not Miles Road Baptist Church, but the heavenly church. The father's going to say to the son, go get my church. The church is anyone who has repented of their sins and placed their faith in Christ and Christ alone. That's the church. Jesus was to come back right now, the building will still be here. Sadly to say, some of you might still be here. But those who have been washed in the blood and clothed in the robe of righteousness, those who have relationship, not religion, we're out of here. We're out of here. By the way, if it happens this afternoon, can I have somebody stand in for me tonight? <laughs> Just asking. I know how people are. They'll say, we're paying that preacher to preach on Sunday night and he'll show up. All right. Now let's look at the sequence. The sequence here. The first thing that will happen will be the return. The Father will say to the Son, go get my church. And Jesus will leave the heavenlies, accompanied by the angelic host, and he will descend into the sky above this world. He will not come to the world. He will stop in the sky, the clouds above this world. He will not be seen by everybody. He will only be seen by his own. His own will see him. Nobody else will. But he will come and he will stop there. He will come in majesty. He will come in might. And that will be the return. 
but that return will trigger the second sequence of events, which is the resurrection. There is not a general resurrection. There is a resurrection of the dead in Christ, and there is a resurrection of the dead not in Christ. There's no such thing as a general resurrection. And here we're looking at the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Now when a person dies, their spirit goes to be with the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The real you, when you die, goes to heaven. And you're given a temporary body. Your earthly body goes to the ground. It will go somewhere into the ground. Well, when Jesus comes, the next sequence after the Father sends him is the resurrection of the dead. The dead in Christ's bodies will be reassembled wherever those bodies are at. Think about that. The dead in Christ's bodies will be reassembled wherever they're at. If they're on the grave, if they're in the sea, if they're in the air, wherever they may be, if they be in whole or in part, it makes no difference. The one who spoke heaven and earth into creation will simply say, come back together. And they will. Bodies will be reassembled. And those reassembled bodies, brand new, will go up. And they will join the spirit that's already with Jesus. There'll be a reuniting of the body and spirit of those who have died in Christ. And by the way, when Jesus comes and he calls forth those that have died in Christ, he will call them by name. He doesn't say, y'all come. (laughs) He'll call the name of his people. Just like he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, you come forth. God knows his people's names. When he calls the resurrected in Christ out of that grave, he will call their name. Their body will go up and be reassembled with their spirit that's with the Lord. That's that's the command. That's the shout. And then the voice of Michael the archangel will be heard as he calls the angelic host to clear the skies and make way for the people of God, for the great exodus that's about to occur. You see, Satan is the god of this world, and he's going to try to stop all of this. And the Holy Spirit of God and the angelic host will just push him aside and make a corridor. And the dead in Christ will go up through that corridor to reassemble bodies to join their spirit. By the way, they'll go up singing a song. You know, the dead in Christ have a song. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? They'll set that to music. You know that? Say, Pastor, would you sing it? I know I'm not going to sing it. If I die in Christ, I'll sing it. But that new body will have a new voice for your pastor. And Mike, you'll get one too. And then we'll sing like Keith. The grave cannot hold the dead in Christ. And then there'll be the trump of God sounding. 
The trump of God has many symbolic meanings in the Old Testament, but the primary meaning of the trump blowing in the Old Testament was to announce that war was coming. And when that trump of God sounds as the declaration of war, God now is going to go to war against Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophets and all those who choose to follow him. So you got the first sequence is the return. The next step will then be the resurrection with all the sounds that will go with it. And then there will be the rapture. Are you following the sequence, the choreography of this? Return, resurrection, and now rapture. Verse 17. The living in Christ are then going right behind the resurrected in Christ. Now the living in Christ could be you. Could be me. I truly believe if the Lord will give me another 20 years, the funeral home will not see me. Sorry, Krista. The life insurance policy will not be cashed in. Your pastor won't need to be embalmed because the undertaker won't get him, the upper taker will. But there will be a generation of people that will not die. The dead in Christ will go first and the living in Christ will follow right behind them. We will be translated in the twinkling of an eye, the blink of an eye, from mortality to immortality, from corruption to incorruption, from earthly to eternal bodies. It will happen so fast that we won't even know it's happening until it's happened. Say, Pastor, how will the Lord know his own? <laughs> he knows. Suppose you had a vacant field, and in that field there was iron and copper and lead and gold and silver and zinc. A lot of metals. And suppose you took a giant electromagnet and swept it over that field. And then you brought the electric magnet and pulled it back. You wanted to see what you got. If you're looking for gold, you won't find no gold in that magnet. If you're looking for silver, you won't find no silver. If you're looking for bronze, you won't find no bronze. If you're looking for lead or copper or zinc, you're not going to find none. Because those metals are not attracted to the electromagnet. You see, it's made of iron, and it only draws to itself what is like itself. It leaves everything else behind. When Jesus comes again, he will draw to himself those who are like himself, and everything else is going to be left behind. Iron draws iron, even as iron sharpens iron. It draws iron. And you know those who are living in Christ will have a song too. Death, where is thy sting? Because we'll never get stung by death. Is that okay with you? At least it is for one of you. So you need to practice your songs if you're going to sing one of those too. Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? 
And then there'll be one other thing in this sequence. There'll be the return, there'll be the resurrection, there'll be the rapture. And then there'll be a big reunion of everybody. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now what will be happen in that reunion? What goes on in reunions at your family? Y'all have a reunion? Well, first of all, there'll be worship. I think Brother Don spoke very eloquently last week about Revelation chapter 5. That's the greatest worship service there'll ever be. And it never ends, by the way. So if you can't come to worship on earth, why do you think you're going to be at that one? Worship. In this great reunion that will take place with Christ and his church, there will be a tremendous worship service. But not only that, there will be a reunion of the saints who are part of that worship service. Now what do you do at a reunion? Well, first of all, you eat, don't you? That's what you do at Baptist reunions. So we'll eat. You say, Pastor, what will we eat? Whatever you want. You like banana pudding? There'll be banana pudding there. You like snickerdoodle cookies? There'll be snickerdoodle cookies there. Whatever you like, there'll be food to eat. There'll be singing. There'll be shouting. There'll be storytelling. There'll be talking. There'll be dancing. We Baptist folks might have got it wrong. They'll be picking. They'll be playing. They'll be aggravating one another. It is going to be a wonderful time. Why should a reunion in heaven be different than the ones down here? No, they won't be different. They'll be 10,000 times better. And the party will just go on and on and on and on. The reunion. You know, some of us look at heaven and we think, well, if you go to heaven, you get wings and you sit on a cloud and play the harp. Listen, if that's all heaven was, I don't know who would want to go. I'm telling you, it's a reunion. It's a reunion. Then lastly, not only is the message sure, Jesus is coming again, not only is the movement sequential, he's precisely laid it out how it will occur, and it will occur so rapidly that we will hardly know what happened. But then there is a mission that is serious. Folks, if you believe what I've just said, and most of you have amended it, shook your head and raised your fist, if you believe all of this I've said is true, should it not change the mission from being casual to serious? If Jesus is truly coming, could come back now, could come back tonight, could come back tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, if we truly believe that and we're amening it and applauding it and getting excited about it, then what are we going to do to change our lives about it? We need to get serious. We need to learn more about this coming. Because I'm telling you, there's people out there trying to poison the waters on this. You don't hear much about the return of Jesus in churches anymore. Pastors don't preach it anymore. 
and a pastor preaches what he believes, so if he doesn't preach it, he must not believe it. It's being downplayed in churches. It's being downplayed in denominations. It needs to be upplayed. You learn about it. Get you in a church. Get yourself under a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a discipleship teacher or a small group teacher and learn about the coming of Jesus. Not only do we need to learn of it if we're going to be serious, we need to live it. It ought to make us more holy. I know churches today are promoting less holiness because they want more people. We're to be holy. And those that we bring to us need to be holy. If there was ever a time for God's people to be holy, it's now. We need to get the profanity off our lips, the liquor off our breath, the pornography out of our mind, the hatred out of our hearts. We need to get the tithe out of our pockets. We need to get busy, ladies and gentlemen. We need to start living like we live, behaving like we believe, practicing like we proclaim. If we believe he's coming again, we need to live it. We need to learn it. We need to look for it. Are you looking? Do you wake up every day saying to yourself, this could be the day? We need to be looking for Jesus, listening for Jesus, leaping for Jesus. We need to be ready. The sad thing is, if he was to come back now, most of us would get caught off guard. Got to look for it. Got to long for it. Do you long for it? Do you really want him to come? I know some of us want to get married. Some of us want to have children. Some of us want to see our grandchildren. Some of us want to have a few things more accomplished before that day. I understand that. But the overriding thing in our heart ought to be Lord Jesus Christ. Because our world is about to undergo a radical, dramatic transformation. Our president said he'd come to bring change. Little did anybody know what he meant. And I'm not just picking on him because the whole world is headed for change. The world is being prepared for the new world order and the new world leader that's coming. We need to learn of his return. We need to live for his return. We need to look for his return. We need to long for his return. And we need to labor for his return. If you knew that the Titanic was sinking and you were a passenger on that boat, would you not tell everybody? If you were a passenger on the SS Titanic, on that night when it was sinking into the deep, dark abyss of the North Atlantic, would you, who have that knowledge, not have told somebody? Would you not have? Would you have told somebody? You sure would have. If we know Jesus is coming again, should we not invite people to come to church?
Should we not invite them to come to Christ? Should we not take these little love story books that we have in abundance here and seek to give one out a day? Just one a day, just pass it to somebody and say, would you read this, please? As Christian gentlemen and Christian ladies, with soft-spokenness and kindness, just hand these to people. I can promise you, you will not get rejected. You see, we're so afraid somebody's going to say something unkind to us. I'm telling you, if you do it the right way, just about 99.9% of the people will take it. What they do with it, you can't control. If they read it, you can't control. If they respond to it, you can't control. But you can tell it. You see, we need to be about inviting people, letting people know what we know. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? There's still time to change your mind. There's still time. But there will come a time when you can't change your mind and you'll be left behind. And you'll wish you had been ready. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.